Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Phil Phoenix, and our topic is forgiveness. I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. Okay, so Phil This podcast is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our guests or what they've done. It's about what you stand for. Okay? Yes. So we're going to get right into it. But before we get into this deep topic of forgiveness, which I'm looking forward to, i got to tell you, because this is part of my whole identity, right, That, that and God's calling on my life. But before we get into it, let's get right down to business. Why do you think the world isn't working as a whole? right now Joseph I'm as you mature in your life and you start to not only look at the situation that you're in your family life your friends and your community what you find in my case is that we are uh, in so many cases godless Jesus is not in many people's lives and if you practice Catholicism and if you really try to ascribe to be and follow the teachings of the church, you realize that putting Jesus and God first in your life becomes really the predecessor to anything you're doing. And that's a different mindset. And it it's difficult for many people that live in a very uh, a secular world that doesn't follow the Uh, church or traditional teachings to understand that because so many people are pursuing the material things they're pursuing the quality of life they're pursuing all the things that are the dream of the United States and Hmm. in this country but at the same time there's something missing and you see it in the, the challenges in families you see it in the challenges of relationships failed relationships so many times and I, you, you often think back, you know, why is, you know, with all the advancements we have in whether it's technology and medicine and all these things that are enhancing our life, but yet there are more people walking the streets that are probably inside very miserable. Mm. And that simple life that may be, in many cases, bass backwards for some, <laughs> may have bass been. Bass-ackwards. <laughs> That's a very down south Florida town. <laughs> it, it may be that there was more to that than everyone and most people in that time realized because, you know, the simplest things of, of being able to have conversations one-on-one with people or in small groups where you're, everyone's not got their, their nose in a phone. Mm. You know, my kids are teenagers in early, mid-20s. They would want to text me from the second floor to have a conversation on the first floor. That just it just seems different, but it isn't the same. You don't connect emotionally. You don't have the eye contact. You don't have all those things. So, from my perspective, Joseph, I think you know as a Catholic, you 
you know, his kingdom on earth. You know, if you really believe that's what we're trying to create, or if that's what you aspire to have, you have to put God in your life first. You need to make that part of your day, every mm-hmm. day. It's like brushing your teeth. You put them on when you, you know, whether you go to work or you go to do what you're doing each day. And I think that's, you lead by example. It's, mm-hmm. diff, you know, parents that have children, they see how their parents each day, you know, conduct themselves each day. So your kids are watching you and your behavior. I know they are. And I know that the good behavior is replicated and it often isn't as visible, but the bad behavior, oh Lord. They love to model that, don't they? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Life life teaches you lessons. You yeah. you become humble. Yeah. Especially if you've had to walk a difficult path mm. by the choices you've made and many people including myself have heck yeah you know i've made i made a lot of those my friend now now i think this is going to segue us into the conversation but i don't know right everything is not scripted here so like you just walked into my office where we're doing this podcast and you just shared a story with me about a homeless gentleman would you be willing to recap that story and just kind of like uh, set that stage because I think it really goes right into our topic of forgiveness and and, and just kind of trust me with this one. Absolutely, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. I, I can, you know, in having a um, a mid-20s, you're a, a mid-20 and age son who, cha- who has challenges with mental health issues. Mm, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, that, that changes your perspective. And I can tell you the majority of your life, you you like to think that everything's just going to be perfectly aligned it's going to be really i mean you have you know you have a wife you have three kids a dog a white picket fence you have all those things around you that you that are supposedly what everybody's aspiring to have Mm. and then life starts to deal you you know challenges hurdles to deal with and in this particular case this story i was telling you about a gentleman that i recognize in the south tampa area where we live and this person walks the streets regularly. He's got some mental health challenges. Mm. And, you know, it's not uncommon if he's walking past my residence. If I'm out in the yard, he sees a male figure, a man, and he views that more as a threat. Mm. And he'll start to mark his territory and he's talking under his breath. He's grumbling generally. and So he's, you're sensing he's getting aggressive. Yes. Yeah, it's just his natural response. Whether he can control it or not, that's his response. Mm. And even, you know, six months ago, there was an incident where he apparently one of the neighbor men, you know, that went too far. He took a swing at him, and the police were looking for this gentleman at night. And we all knew who he was, not by name. It's the guy that wears this hat and walks with this backpack. Mm. And, you know, he hangs out in a 10-square block area. So you were walking into my office. He was downstairs in your parking lot. Little did I know <laughs> there was nobody in your parking lot except for me and my truck parked, trying to park. He's in between a generally about a half dozen parking spots that are close to your office door. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's gesturing at me and he is becoming very aggressive. So with, he probably recognized you. No, I don't think he recognized okay. me. He just saw whatever was occurring. You're, you're a man. And so he's, Yeah. Yeah, aggressiveness. So if, if if I, and this is where, you know, the Lord, you know, 
helps me with patience at times when it's difficult because I have been certainly had a history of lack of patience. Mm-hmm. Having a, a, a son who struggles with these difficulties, mm-hmm. Joseph, that's there's patience that I've never thought I could find mm. in this process because you learn to expect the unexpected. Mm. So when a gentleman like this in this situation is really looking to... The normal response for 90% of the American men is to get out of your truck and say, Hey, it, can I help you with something? Do you have you an issue? A problem? Exactly. And all that would do is fuel this guy's hmm. um, disorder, yeah. his, his challenge. And I just very calmly let him give me enough space. I parked the truck, looked at him, walked in without any confrontation. He just stood there. Like a lion, you know, marking his ground. He was ready to charge. But at the end of the day, it, it was, I understand that he cannot control and nor maybe he, can he really change those things about him. Yeah. If that's the way God has chosen for this person to live and exist, that's okay. Yeah. And it's not me to confront that. It's not me to take that on as a, uh, you know, all right, I'm going to really challenge this person that's having difficulties and somehow it's going to make me feel better, Joseph. That's not the case. Now, Phil, I asked you to share that story because something shows up for me in that, right? Uh, I think forgiveness shows up in that little story, right? And just follow me for a second. And so you have a choice, right? You're walking in, you see this guy, boom, he's got this aggressive nature. You already know him from the neighborhood. You already kind of know the protocol. You know that he could easily turn this physical. So it could be a physical threat to you that you're just walking in to do a podcast, right? That's right. (laughs) And you're like, "Uh, God, I didn't ask for this this morning. Uh, Can I just get through this, right? Um, However, uh, when another human being steps into our space, so to speak, and confronts us in our life, in our sphere, and in a challenging way or a way that um, they want to do us harm. Uh, I think as humans, our natural defense reflexes flare up, right? Fight or flight, which is normal, it's healthy. However, sometimes we can, even though you walked in without engaging him, sometimes we can carry him in with us. You know what I mean? I understand. In our heart and in our mind. That's correct. And we can literally uh, run a story in our head of that piece of blank, right? Who does he think he is? Man, I would have done this. Man, I should have done this. You know, and and start um, really uh, lowering his dignity as a as a human being, and seeing him uh, more as um, an attacker rather than a human or a brother in Christ, and. You know that you chose to uh, exhibit patience with him and uh, to forgive him whether you knew it or not you forgave him because you're like man he's not within control of his own self right he's suffering from mental health challenges and how many times in life do people show up who we think are quite normal (laughs) at least that's how they occur to us however they do things that are abnormal they behave in ways that are not um, godly, in ways that do want to cause us harm, in ways that want to take us out, that want to, um, you know, crush us, whatever that hurt us. And sometimes we, we tend to think that they're operating within their full 
cognitive control and they're choosing to do us harm anyway. And in my opinion, that's not always the case. Just like this gentleman, they have their own stuff going on, man. They have their own stories from childhood, their own traumatic scarring and events that have happened, abuse, molestation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that have caused them to be this person and act and behave this way today, right? And we don't know what's causing them to want to do us harm. And sometimes it's really difficult for us to set aside all of what could be happening in their life um, and just forgive them. True. What shows up for you there? Well, I'll tell you, you know, we can talk about the physical, you know, this whole challenge and forgiveness, but what forgiveness for me in the, in the topic, if you think of the family, and, and there are so many families today that are just, that are broken up and busted up by numerous issues. You know, having lived one of those experiences, the emotional damage that occurs in that to a young adult, there's an emotional forgiveness, Joseph, that long before you can, you know, you've got 20 yards between you and this person that's trying to confront you. If you just take that back, for me, forgiveness really, there's an, for people that are close to you in your life that you have hurt or that you've had to find a way to come back to and reconcile with. Those are really tough roads to walk. Mm. And, uh, you know, having been a product of early 1980s, parents got divorced, dad walked out of the family, really exited stage left, and I'm sure he had the reasons, but, uh, you know, at the age of 18, you know, you're grown up, but you're really not. And, you know, if you have listeners that are out there that are in these difficult situations, well, listen closely because there's a story that it can end well, but it does take time maybe. Mm. And I'll just give you the highlights of my own personal story. Don't give us the highlights. Give us the story. Well, in 1982, when my father, uh, when he retired from the military after 20 years, you know, we as a family... My mom, my dad, myself, and my 15-month younger sister relocated from Arizona to Indiana. And in that process of my father had, had in advance of us, had gone to Indiana to prepare a house. The house was a family-owned house. Or it was a grandmother in a nursing home. We, were, we traveled via vehicle, car, all the way. My sister and I in one car, my mom and dad in the other. We got to relative's house, and within two hours, my dad left the scene. When I mean left the scene, he he was leaving my mom, but it really, what I didn't know then that I understand now is that my sister and I both went through that abandonment Mm. of, because my dad left, and I, from that point on, I don't think I saw or spoke to my dad in over 20 years. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. So what ends up happening, Joseph, is that for me, that became an emotional scar that wasn't reopened on a regular basis, but it was one that took and did not heal at that point. Mm. And it isn't until, Lord, it's a long time. Hmm. I am in my early to mid 40s that I'm now starting to deal with that 10 years removed from now. 
and in that process, having found or having surrounded myself with um, all those things that are including the white picket fence that I mentioned earlier and a career that was progressively upwardly mobile and all those things that in what you also learned sometimes in therapy and sometimes by people that could really speak to you and speak to your heart is that that scarring that place where where you find two things where you find the inspiration that gets you that drives you but you also have this negative Hmm. part of your life both that can be used as fuel not always positive Hmm. they come from the same place for me I realized that this negative part of my history was still you you men tend to put it in a box <laughs> seal it, it with a key yep. bury Spot it deep weld it. <laughs> it's not always in you know but that that had that box had to be opened inside of me and 20 plus years later I found my father I knew where he was, mm. but I reached out to him because and it was through uh, discernment, the church. It was through that realizing that if your life is now crumbling around you, which for me it was in a lot of ways. All those white picket fence things were now on the other side and they were becoming difficult. And part of what needed to, before I could really move forward with some things in my life, and it wasn't because my father wanted to find me and reconcile. I needed to find him for your own healing and to, to move heal. forward. And if forgiveness is being able to look at a situation that was probably the most difficult thing at a young age to deal with, or one of the dip- most difficult things that many people, some of your listeners may deal with, it was through forgiveness that I found the healing. Mm-hmm. And it's what I've learned in the last few years, I've been a cradle-to-grave Catholic. Man, I have been in the church for a long time, very deeply spiritual, but also sometimes present, but not present mm. in the church. You know, I, I probably have a 10-year span of not missing church, but not nearly as deeply spiritual as I could be. When you say not deeply spiritual, do you mean um, not in close relationship with God? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, when I talk about, I mean, you know, and that's where your priorities of what you're pursuing, mm-hmm. if it's that career or if it's that, you know, if, if everyone's competing for the things around them to make it outwardly look like you have achieved some success in your life at home, in a family or in a career and you haven't put God first, I could definitely share that experience as something that I've, I've gone through. And the forgiveness part of our faith more importantly the the healing the graces that mm. come with the healing mm. you know if you know i so many catholics are are um, intimidated by the the reconciliation the confession process <laughs> confession we actually have something called the confession round coming up at the end of this but go ahead all right well i'll be able to play <laughs> that game sure but it but what for me, though, I, what I've learned is that I, I need to be able to forgive. I need to be able to ask for forgiveness before I can forgive others. Mm. And in this long process where I got to the point in my life that I, I needed, I, I, discretions in my life were occurring. I needed to start to get some spiritual counseling of 
how do I change these things? And it was through that reconciliation, that confession process. And I'm not, you know, I tend to be able to sit and talk with a priest face to face. And and I, if you really, for me, knowing that I'm, I'm really speaking from the heart, God knows what's in my heart. God knows what my actions are. I needed to find a way to seek forgiveness because I think in seeking that forgiveness and then then getting receiving God's healing it allowed me to forgive my father boom yeah because how do you forgive someone if you don't feel forgiven you know what can happen Joseph let's say you know there's you know have you heard the saying where well I'll never forget that yeah I'll never forgive them yeah I'll never forget it yeah and if I don't forget it and also, in many ways, is I won't forgive it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You follow so me? the, the you popular follow? saying is, it's like, oh yeah, I forgive them, but I won't forget. Well, see, to me, that's a complete contradiction. I agree. Yeah, you how can, so? Be, because if you, unless you can forgive them or find forgiveness in this process, it allows you to let it go. Mm. And that's where the you don't happens. need to. Yeah. You, it, great. Okay. Remember it. But when you, what you're saying with that phrase is, I'm not letting it go. Mm. And what you don't always realize, I experienced in my own life, is not being able to let go of that, not being able to open that box and deal with it in some fashion is only sort of harming yourself. Yeah. What's that, that popular saying about drinking poison? Do you remember? No, I don't. Ah, there's a uh, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. True. Yeah, right? And I think that's what you're saying right there. True. It's like, if I say I forgive you, but then I hold a little peace because I don't want to forget because I don't want you to do it to me again. I don't want to get hurt again. So I got to protect myself. I'm literally still holding on to a drop of poison. And I keep continually drinking that poison. Every time a situation comes up, that resembles when I got hurt, that reminds me of when I got hurt, and I drink another drop, and I drink another drop. And what I'm doing is I'm literally poisoning and killing my heart from within, and uh, you know, really uh, sabotaging being able to love, right? Which is where I feel freedom. Right. Which is where you feel freedom, and which is what life's about. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit on what you said, and thank you for sharing that, right? Your childhood and your dad and abandonment, because maybe you're listening right now in your car and you're, uh, you know, or you're exercising or something like that, and, and you're like, man, I, my dad left. I, I get what Phil's saying right now, you know, and but maybe I'm not there. And I don't know how to get there, to be honest with you. I don't know how to forgive my dad. How could he leave us? He walked out on us. What was wrong with me? What did I do wrong? I was a little kid. You know, now Phil, you were 18, but you know, maybe you're listening right now and you're like, man, I was like six. I was two, you know? And, and, and I'll speak freely here. I was eight and a half when my parents got divorced and my dad didn't walk out on us, but man, we went through a nasty divorce. And unfortunately our parents, you know, um, played that custody game and we got caught in the middle. We were like little pawns in a chess game. There were six of us little kids. Wow. 
Yeah, and at eight and a half years old, I was a young boy. I didn't know how to process all this. And, you know, I had to, as a young man, um, first off, I didn't know there was something wrong. I, because as kids, when you have that traumatic event, what do we do? We suppress it because we're not formed to really process it. Right? Our, our, That's right. We're not formed yet. We're still young. We're still developing. So we suppress it just for survival. So maybe, you know, someone's hurt you and uh, someone has, um, you know, done something to break your trust. And, and I'm going to go here because, Phil, you probably know this already. Um, you know, here's a statistic that, man, it's just powerful. Uh, one in five young boys are molested at an early age sexually. Yeah. One in three girls. Hmm. Think about staggering, 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 right? That's the world we're living in, which means one in three of my female listeners right now had some kind of sexual abuse as a child. If that's you, if that's happened to you, there's hope, right? And I'm not going to be warm and fuzzy here. I'm going to be direct because I want you to have freedom. God wants you to have freedom. He wants to set you free, right? And it starts with three things. It starts with God's love, God's forgiveness, and then God's transformation. And that's the journey. And I can speak really clear on that because that's the journey he's walked me through, right? That's my whole life right there. Um, But I want to say this to you is first, God wants to love you exactly where you're at. In that brokenness, in that hurt, in that scarring. He wants to love you there and tell you that, tell that little girl, that little boy inside of you, it's okay. I didn't want that to happen to you, but it happened. And from that ugliness, I want to bring beauty. I want to give you a life that glorifies me and that lights up others. And I want you to set others free. I want to do it through you. And that's why I allowed that to happen in your life. Because it's part of your calling. Right? And sometimes we forget that, don't we, Phil? Is that our, our mess, our ugliness, is exactly what we're being called to help others in. True. I mean, true. Do your you own that? life experience can lend itself to, to helping others. Because there are, there are other people that you may not even know that are close to you that are having the same difficulty of the past. And if God, if you really believe God works in all places, you're, yes, you are in your ugliness, in the most challenging part of your life, when you're at the lowest, Joseph, and you feel like there's... You can't see around anywhere, any direction, a way out. He's there. You realize he's there. It's hard to... I think I appreciate that more when you're on the other side of the ugliness. (laughs) Because when you're in the middle of it, it's terrible. You don't see a light, right? It's just darkness. It feels pretty dark. Yeah. It's it's like the never-ending night. You're in the northern hemisphere, and there's no sun coming up in the morning. Yeah, and I I see that through my son, who has you know I mentioned earlier has some mental health issues with you know bipolar, and mm. 
he carries a weight all the time, and he tells me. He says he gets so tired, mm. so tired. He's dead. I just, I, it's a cycle of repeat, repeat, repeat. And you, you know, parents ache and feel pain more for their kids than I think the kids feel. And I don't know they mm. understand that all the time. But there's no pain like the pain you, as a parent, when you watch your children suffer. I get that. I get that, you know. And, and I want to just tie that to God, right? Our yeah. Father. Um, because it pains Him to watch us suffer. Because we're His children. Exactly what you're saying, Phil. Right? So if you're stuck in that and you have someone in your life that you have not forgiven yet and they did something that, man, they don't deserve your forgiveness, right? That's, that's what you've been telling yourself. <laughs> it's like, listen, don't, you don't even have to forgive them for their sake. Forgive them for yourself, right? Because God wants you free. Let God work on them. That's not your responsibility. But just like Phil did, just like I've done, and just like so many have done that have broken free from that, that poison, you must confront them. You must speak with them, and you must set them free. And maybe they did something horrific, you know, like we said, sexual abuse, man. That's like crazy horrific. Right? And that's messed up your relationships for your whole life. If you're a girl, you know, it's messed up, you know, every type of boy that you've handpicked, right? Somehow they're the wrong boy, right? Or maybe you've attracted abusive guys, you know, as a, as a girl. And as a boy, you know, maybe you had some bad relationship with your dad or whatever. Or, um, you know, maybe, again, there was sexual abuse there with a man or a relative or something like that. And you're, they broke your trust and they did some horrific deed and now you're confused. You don't even know, like, what am I attracted to? Who am I attracted to, right? There's a whole lot of stuff that comes from that. First off, it's not your fault. It's not. You were innocent. You didn't do it. It's not you, right? However, you have a choice now. You're a young adult. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman now. And no longer can you blame the past for your present. Now you can choose new possibilities for your life. And that's what God wants, right? So first, first thing, step one, and Phil, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm just gonna kind of run through what I did, right? And step one is God, ask God, go to God, spend quiet time with him. Say, Father, I don't even know how to love you as a father because my father, my human father, I can't even love him. He used me, he abused me, he broke my trust, he abandoned me, he whatever. How can I love you as a God when I can't even love my human father? So that's step one, is go get real with, you, with God. Get real, have raw talk, and say, show me how to love you. Show me how, and God will. And after he does and you feel his love, on you, on your heart, and you feel that warmth and tenderness, maybe something you've never experienced your whole life. He'll do that for you. And after you've felt it, then he'll put on your heart how to forgive your dad, how to forgive your mom. And uh, I'm gonna go here for a second, Phil, right? Okay. Yeah, quick story. Um, so I've dated different girls, uh, and many of them had uh, daddy issues. We'll call okay. it, right? And it was exactly these reasons. 
Um, their dad abandoned them. That was a very common one with many girls, or their dad molested them, etc. And they could not forgive their dad. And they were grown women, beautiful women, right? And they just had all these failed re romantic relationships. And I remember I was um, <clears throat> traveling with one of them, my girlfriend at the time, and we walk into a supermarket and we're just going around, etc. And all of a sudden we walk uh, past an aisle and she clinches the cart, like white knuckle, and freezes. And I was like, what's wrong? She goes, I think I just saw my dad. I was like, what? She's like, I think I just saw my dad. And I was like, what do you mean, where? She's like, down that aisle. Now, she hadn't spoken with her dad in 25 years. Okay? And the dad abandoned her. Abandoned the family. And she had not been able to forgive him. So you can imagine what was going through her. Just panic, shock, fight or flight. And I was like, you need to go speak with him. She's like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I was like, would you like me to? She's like, I, no, no. And she's just in panic. Wow. Right? And my heart, God puts it up on my heart, go speak with him. Go connect them. God wanted healing for her. And I turn around and she beelined out. <laughs> like literally ghost town. <laughs> <She was> like, <laughs> there was like smoke tires, you know, on the cart. Um, and she went outside. And I walked down this aisle and there was this little old man, like kind of hunched over. And he was kind of like, he just looked so harmless, yeah? But to her, he was like this big, bad story Wow. of abandonment for her and hurt and pain and everything. And I just went over to her, this gentleman and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, do you know a girl named so-and-so? And his jaw dropped. And he goes, yes, that's my daughter. I said, would you like to meet her? She's here. And his eyes welled up, like, <laughs> just teary-eyed. I said, yes, yes, I would. And I just saw all this hurt and pain in this little man. And I, I uh, called her. I said, he wants to meet you. He wants to see you. Can you do this? She's like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. I was like, trust me. God wants you to be back with your dad. Just let it happen. I know it's scary, just let it happen. And she walked in. And I remember they were in the vegetable aisle, you know, the big vegetable <laughs> section, right? So we're surrounded by vegetables and customers, right, in the supermarket. And literally, they locked eyes from like 50 yards out and froze in their tracks. They walked a little closer. Now they had about 20 feet between them and they froze and they couldn't walk any closer. And they just locked. And it was like this movie scene. Oh my. And I was just sitting there like in between them like, okay, that's not enough. <laughs> we need closer. Right? So I walk over to her and I just put my arm around her, her uh, shoulder and I said, listen, it's okay. Just follow my lead. And I walk her closer, walk her closer. And he walks closer. And they get about literally uh, two feet between them. And they're just like looking at each other. And they don't know what to do. 
And I just put my arm around both of their shoulders. And I say, it's okay. And I just push them together. Oh, boy. Just push them together. Wow. And they fell into each other's arms and just melted. And they both started weeping on each other's shoulders. And right there, it happened. Mm. God was present. And from there, she was able to have a conversation. She, um, we were headed to a picnic. It was a family reunion, of all things. Wow. That's why we're there, traveling. And she invited him. Wow. And he showed up. And the mom was there, who he had walked out on, the whole thing. So he put himself at cause. Sure. He put himself in a situation of, like, he didn't look good. Let's just say that to the family. And he showed up to stand for her and to have that relationship. He met his grandkids for the first time. The same day. And God wanted that. And God wants the same for you. That type of healing and forgiveness. And she was able to forgive him. Not so much for him, but it set her free. And it set her future relationships for success. So I wanted to share that story. I know that was long-winded, but I want you to hear that. God has that forgiveness plan and healing for you. He's waiting. You have to reach out to the person. Phil, what shows up for you in that? Well, I'll tell you what, Joseph. If you were... That reconciliation process, the, what you don't always understand is the years removed, the years gone, are lost years. You, don't, you can't repeat them. And it's a beautiful thing when you can now have a conversation. I can speak to my dad. I, call, I spoke to him this week. And every time at the end of our conversation on the telephone this time, I said, I love you, Dad. Mm. But there was in that the awkwardness of that, how do you start again? Mm. I, I remember vividly, probably, you know, it's 2000 and around the year 2003. Mm. All of my dad's stories are pre-1982. So you really, I mean, that's when it hit me really strongly when he's meeting his, my kids, his grandkids for the first time. And his, his story is from when I was 17 years old. Mm. And that's all he has. That's all he has. And that's all you have. That's right. So you realize that both of you are missing out on something, living life together. How did you forgive him? Take us there. I realized that he, that I get the best and the worst traits from my father. <laughs> so many boys do. And, and in finding and having to seek forgiveness for my own indiscretions, my own faults, realizing that he's, he's my dad and he will always be my father. And he may not want to change, and it's not my role to ask him to change. His, the choices he made, I'm sure in so many ways, he also regrets them. But I chose not to judge him, Joseph. Mm. That's the difference. I think when I'm holding on to that for so many years, I almost every part of my life will have this, I'll show you. He was nowhere in my life. Mm. So were you really showing him? Well, in my own head, I must have been. Just a story we're telling ourselves. I'm overachieving in all these things. Yeah. I'll prove my worth. 
Exactly, because I think what happened was that that abandonment, I'm not worthy, it, it lasted for so long. Mm. And that's the fuel that I was referring to earlier. I had, I had to find a way to change that. And I didn't realize that it took years. It took maturing as an adult, failing in a relationship with my wife at the time that mm. ultimately led me to that, boy, there's something more to this. Than just, and it, it took me all the way back to finding my father mm. and reconciling with him. And, and not for me personally, I've never wanted nor needed to have this, this fully encompassing conversation about what happened 20, 30 years ago now plus. Mm. So you didn't have to rehash no. his wrongdoing. I just, you know, but as, a, as an adult man that has children, that has all those things, I understand the challenges. And sometimes if you turn left and you should have turned right, Mm-hmm. And you're well past the exit now. <laughs> and you just say, yeah, that was not a good choice. Yeah. And so who am I to judge him? So I'm, you didn't sit there and try to make him wrong. No. And it wasn't just, about me being right and him being wrong. It was about, look, you're my dad. And you'll always be my dad with your faults, with your great qualities. And I get my best from him. Mm. And I also recognize that I also get some of the challenges in my personality. And, mm. you know, if you were to meet me and then you spoke to my father, you'd go, okay, I get Are it. Are you twins? <laughs> well, yes. And some of that, you know, you know, when he's 20 years, he's a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. And he's, not a, he's not a pacifist. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a very hard-charging type A personality. Mm. And that, so much of that for me personally has worked extremely well in the world of maybe a long career or a business environment but in relationships it doesn't always work so well no it doesn't and that's where you have to you know you're trying to I'm a a work in progress Joseph so many of us are so you're working on the rough edges in your life in your person that God knows them all Mm. and even to this day now with young children you know Teenage girl, two boys in their 20s, I find that unlike my father, who, who has never been able to go say, you know what, I really messed this up. I've, had to f- I've found with God's graces that I go to my kids and say, I really messed this up. I really did. I am sorry. I, I'm, I beg for your forgiveness because I really want this to be different. This is not who... This is not what you deserve. Do you know how freeing that is, Phil, for your kids? I hope so. To have their dad, that authority figure, the one that gave them life, come and ask them for forgiveness? Oh, it's, it's been very emotional to have to do that. And, it's, and it isn't that I've done something so horrifically bad to them, but sometimes when you're that authority figure and your personality gets in the way, mine, mm. maybe is har- says hurtful things mm. in the heat of a conversation mm. that you shouldn't say to your kids, mm. even though they're trying to be adults. They're not ready for that, or that's just not right. It's just not fair. I'm sorry, and I, I tend to be, <laughs> I say a lot I'm sorry mm. today. And I, I actually, I Joseph, I go to 
my local parish and my priest, and I talk to him about these things. And it's not that I see it as this, this flaw, this, this thing that I'm, but it is, it's definitely an area in my life that I find that I have to seek forgiveness. Mm. Because it allows me, if I can continue to work on it, and don't go there again, or try, try not to be so rough on their, on, verbally on children. You know, God understands I'm working on it. My kids don't unless I talk to them, unless I verbalize and tell them, yeah. hey, I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and, and that was inappropriate. And you know what? That gives them freedom to not be perfect in their own lives, True. in their own relationships. True. You're leading by that example. You're True. teaching them how to ask for forgiveness in their own life. Right. And that's powerful. That's great fathering. Well, I, I tell you, Joseph, when your kids, you know, and I've got a 25-year-old son that has difficulties mm-hmm. in, with mental health, and we talked about that, but there's levels of frustration where I am almost in tears, so frustrated, to I'm screaming at the room in frustration, and my son's been a part of that, and he has found, he's, he's always wanted to be well, and in these processes, it's sometimes it's so hard, and I, can, I had a conversation with him not too long ago. And he was, the conversation was very emotional. It was charged with about an hour of of frustrating things that he and I were trying to deal with that relate to him. And in that, he took my comments to mean, you mean you never wanted me as a child? You you mean, I said, no, Aaron, his name. I said, look, here's what happens. I said, for my entire life, I've spent... I've had so I've had challenges where there's okay here's a difficult time in life or here's a difficult task that you've been given and you you first you you try to determine what it is you're dealing with you're you're looking forward you're trying to be positive you're trying to look for the exit door that gets you to the other side it gets you to a better place it could be in yourself it could be your family it could be you name it Joseph it could be a number of things in life, but there's always your, as, as men, we tend to fix it or try to fix it. We <laughs> tend to have that, I can get there. And mm-hmm. I, what I was explaining to my son was in this situation that he and I are walking the path together, every turn is a closed door at times. It feels like mm. you're in a box that you can't get out. Mm. Ultimate frustration. And you... So the frustration is that you, you, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see that there's this going to lead to something. So you, that just fuels a frustration inside of me. And where it's taken us is he's now coaching me. Dad, we'll get there. Don't worry. We'll find a way. Wow. Finding hope in sometimes a very dark situation you know, and I, I mean, I deal with his, I don't deal with, I help him at times where he's, you know, everything from wanting to hurt himself to almost non-functioning with activities of daily life to days where he's just, he's that loving son that I always have known. Mm. So it's a range of emotion that happens and it can change on a dime. Now, isn't that, if we were speaking about God the Father and us, right, isn't that what you just described, our own story. True. You know, we go through life, 
True. trying to hurt ourselves. True. Right? Barely functioning. And then sometimes we show up as that loving son or that loving daughter with our Father in heaven. That's right. That's right. And it, Could you imagine the frustration for God the Father? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, you can. I absolutely can. Because you're living it. There's a level of patience that I try to live now with that is different than anything I've ever had. When I Last year I had the opportunity to do a pilgrimage in Spain. And one of the things on the first night before I started a trek that ended up being with a backpack from southern France all the way to the west coast of Spain, 510 miles in 31 days, I prayed. I prayed and I, I spoke to God. And I, that first day I said, look, I want to carry my son's weight. Mm. Give me his challenges today. Mm. Let me experience it. Well, at the end of that day, Joseph, after walking 33 kilometers, probably 25, 26 miles, through mountains, out of mountains, with a pack that was way too heavy, mm. feeling the weight, two nasty blisters on my heels. Mm. Man, I was pretty beat up, dehydrated at the end. And I sat, and I remember vividly just feeling this exhausted, I was at this exhausted state and what came to my mind was, God, I'm so sorry that my son has to carry this. It was very difficult, but I tell you, it was, it was God's way of helping me understand how challenging his situation, his mental health state is at times. Yeah. And it was a, as hard as it was, it was a beautiful first day of a 30-day pilgrimage that I found God in places I didn't know, in the quietness, very secluded, long walks, exhausting moments. And it brought me back with a different perspective of how he and I, and even though we have our challenging moments, but there were, and I've told him the story, my son, I can imagine how powerful that was for him yeah. to hear that his dad carried him that first day. Yeah. And many days after, but yeah. but for that first day. And how many times does God the Father carry us, right? Just like that. Yeah. Wow. So when if life teaches you nothing, but more importantly, it's not necessarily life, it's that the church, it's a relationship with God. It's those things that keep us to continue to hope, pray for, but sometimes a better day. Because it's not always when it, the challenges we have dealt with in our life, they help us really appreciate the good times and understand that, wow, this is, this is not bad and I like this, but because when you've seen those dark moments and you still have moments that you're challenged with, Young people and older, and middle-aged old people. Without God, where do you find the strength? Where do you find the will to go on? Mm. I, I'm not, I, my son, who I've been describing the stories about, attended Catholic schools all the way through high school. I think today he would proclaim himself to be an atheist. Mm. But I don't believe that, and I've talked to him, and I... And I said, you know, Aaron, I, 
I do think there's a, the light is still inside of you. It maybe doesn't shine as bright, but it doesn't leave you. And some of the challenges we deal with together that in a secular world will tell you prescription drugs can solve it, that this type of therapy can solve it. They may not be easily solved, but I've asked him at times, do you find yourself where, if you're surrounding yourself with influences that are just taking you down the wrong path, would you not be better served? Or if the people you're around, the situations you're in, God wants you to come back. God wants you to be part of, have a relationship with Him. And I don't think He's at the age and He's matured enough to understand it fully, mm-hmm. that that relationship with God is what gives me the will mm. to carry on, mm. the strength to continue mm. to try to find solutions that are workable answers for Him. Mm. You know, it's... and. Wow. It, at the end of the day, he knows there's two people, his mother and I, when it's gone so wrong, and it tends to every six to 12 months, and that usually results in a hospitalization and something else. Mm. Joseph, he could be that gentleman out in the parking yes, lot. Yes, he could, because that gentleman out in the parking lot is someone's son. That's correct. That's yeah. right. Wow, Phil, thanks for sharing that. I mean, powerful, powerful stuff, you know. <laughs> We're both like, where's the Kleenex? <laughs> Actually, it's right behind you. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> There's a box over there. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we just got really real, and, you know, I definitely believe God's present in this conversation. So you're listening right now, and um, what's showing up for you, you know, in your own life? Who's that person that God wants you to forgive? Um are you ready to forgive God for what happened, right, in your own life? Um, are you ready to forgive yourself um, and realize that it wasn't your fault, you were an innocent child, you know? Can you do that? And, and that's step one, I think, is forgive yourself, um, forgive God, ask God's forgiveness, and then with that strength, with that healing, go forgive that person that did you wrong. And uh, God will set you free, like he has for Phil and, and for myself, and we want that for you. So with that, Phil, we're going to lighten this up a little. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're actually using the tissues. You know, hey, men out there, it's manly to cry, okay? So suck it up, buttercup. It's okay to cry, especially if you grew up uh, like Phil and I did with uh, military dads. I had a Marine Corps father, and... Uh, Phil had, you know, Marine Corps father, Marine Corps father, and crying was not a thing boys did, right. um, but it actually it it is right, and it's freeing. Okay, Phil, welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you twelve quick fire questions. You'll have three seconds to answer each. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, just share the first thing that comes to you. Okay, what's your favorite thing about being an adult? Choosing to be, having to make choices that are good and in. Inter- Three seconds. Three seconds. Um, (laughs) Best thing about being an adult. You got this, brother. (laughs) To being able to early retire and not have to work right now. That's awesome. Uh, What's your your least favorite thing about being an adult? Um, Finding patience with other people's situation. Yeah, I get that. What secret fear do you have about people? 
Mmm, secret fear do I have about people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Sorry, we had a cell phone going off there. So this is very candid interviewing. Uh, if you could be anyone for the next seven days, just for fun, you could trade places with them. Who would you pick? Oh my gosh. Mayor of uh, Miami, Florida, where the hurricane's coming. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, what do you wish you were better at? Music. Yeah, nice. What dream are you scared of pursuing? I don't know. That's a hard one. That, that, I just give you something to think about. What dream am I scared of pursuing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What would I do? Maybe um, there's something you wanted to do, but you just haven't done. What's up, Phil? That's, I'm doing a lot of things I wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. Um, scared of pursuing. There's not much that I'm afraid of. I would... Um, I don't know, Joseph. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. All right. We got I'm glad there's no right, right or wrong answer here. We have two skipped answers here. Okay. Um, what makes you smile more than anything? Certainly my kids. That's one. And um, relationships I have with people closest in my life. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Pro athlete, like many. Nice. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would it be? Physical suffering that comes from health issues. I got that. That's very real and present for you. If you had the power... Sorry, I just did that one. Nice. Uh, imagine yourself sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. He walked with God. And he found healing and contentment. Nice. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Boy, that was quite the journey. And I'm glad you finally got here. <laughs> you sure took a detour. <laughs> and last question, Phil. Uh, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you tell them? Follow your heart. Got it. Phil, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, through you. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I like how you just <laughs> delegated that out. That's awesome. All right, Phil, thanks for joining us today. And we wish you the love, the forgiveness, and the transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joseph. You're welcome. Cheers. Friends. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with Him, and I'll see you on the next show.